John Solomon is an award-winning investigative journalist. He has worked for the Associated Press, the Washington Post, the Washington Times. He's the executive vice president at The Hill and is at the center of this story. Uh, John, I don't know what your day was like yesterday when you got up and watched and, and read the whistleblower report and you are named as the mouthpiece for this conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's uh, well, my name's not in there, but my reporting clearly is, and they're clearly yeah, identifying they're cur- me. And I, yes, and um, and I think there are some troubling questions that need to be asked, which is why is why is a reporter's factually uh, proven, factually based, fully authenticated, fully documented stories the matter of the intelligence community? Has anyone been monitoring me? Have they been looking or unmasking my calls overseas? Why is this a matter of whistleblower? I can't violate intelligence law. I'm not an intelligence officer. Uh, There is a very serious question raised here about why my reporting was thrown into a narrative that absolutely my reporting has nothing to do with intelligence law. It has nothing at all. And so it it was clearly, and ironically, this whistleblower complaint was filed in July, right around the time I began submitting questions to Joe Biden about the story that I just wrote last night. And I think that if you look yesterday, there was a coordinated assault on my reputation, all of it factually false. And I intend to eventually show the American public how false the stories in the narrative were yesterday. But uh, it can't be an accident that all this happens uh, as I'm finishing up the latest story on Joe Biden, which came out last night. And when you look at what I reported, Joe Biden's, uh, Hunter Biden's legal team, the, the legal team for Burisma, working on Hunter Biden's watch when he's a board member and consultant, and according to the company, overseeing the company's legal strategy, uh, they are telling the Ukraine prosecutor's office that the information that was used to justify Joe Biden firing the chief prosecutor of Ukraine, the man investigating his son's company, was, quote, false information. Why would, why would, wait, why would Burisma do that? Why would the lawyers I don't do know that? the answer. Yeah, we don't know the answer, right? There's all sorts of possibilities, which is they wanted the new guys to have, you know, feel good about them. They wanted the new guys to make the case go away and settle the case, which they did. You know, they settled it with a tax fine uh, at the end of uh, Barack Obama's presidency. Nobody can understand the dynamics here yet, because in Ukraine, it's a very strange world, right? The truth isn't always what it seems when you first get there, but... The, the importance for the American people is that Joe Biden has staked out a very clear story. I fired the guy. Yes, I knew my son's company was under investigation, but that's not why I fired the guy. I fired him because he was, he was uh, corrupt. Now, what I put in the record yesterday were just old-fashioned documents. They come from public releases of information from the Office of Prosecutor in Ukraine and from an affidavit filed in the Austrian court. And here's what they show. First. The man who was fired, Shokin, the man that Biden forced to be fired, the man who was investigating Hunter Biden's company, and at that moment he was fired making plans to interview Hunter Biden. That doesn't mean Hunter Biden did anything wrong, but he was about to interview Hunter Biden in the middle of the 2016 election. That would have been a big story, right? He says, I was told, and I can tell you for certainty, I was fired because I continued to investigate Burisma when Joe Biden wanted me to stop, and that's what President Poroshenko made clear to me. That's an important thing. It's under, it's under penalty of perjury. We should evaluate that. But it doesn't match Joe Biden's story. Now, here's the second thing that doesn't match Joe Biden's story. Joe Biden says it was all about the corruption. 
But the day that he fired or got that Ukraine prosecutor fired while in Ukraine, miraculously, Burisma's team is at the doorstep trying to get a meeting immediately with his replacement. If they're not related, why is Burisma so interested on the day of the firing to get to see the new guy, the acting prosecutor? And, of course, that acting prosecutor is a little busy that day getting his job in place, so he waits about a week, and then he takes the audience with Burisma. These are three American lawyers, uh, two working for a, a public relations lobbying firm known as Blue Star Strategies, and one a famous criminal defense lawyer, very accomplished uh, defense lawyer in, uh, I think it's Massachusetts or New York. They come over and they have the meeting. And in that meeting, according to the prosecutor's memo of it, summary of it, signed by the acting, or the, at that time the acting prosecutor, it says they apologized for the false information that U.S. officials had spread about the predecessor, Mr. Shokin. They knew that it was false information, and they would like to arrange a way to make this all up by bringing the, the left remaining prosecutors to Washington, getting good with the Obama administration, tell them what really went on so there's no more confusion going forward. That, that narrative, those documents, do not match Joe Biden's story. Now, maybe, maybe someone's made them up. Maybe someone, there's two different possible stories here. But Joe Biden's very clean story doesn't match any of the documents that I obtained. And, and people say, well, it's a Ukraine prosecution memo. Why should we trust it? Well, the answer is, I also have the emails of the Burisma American legal team. And the, those emails show that what, what the prosecutor's memo says is actually what those American lawyers said to the prosecutors. I actually have the invite from Burisma's American lawyer saying, hey, you guys, you got victimized. Come over to the United States. We'll hook you up with the Justice Department. You can clear the air about this false information. So these, these facts all add together, and they don't add up to Joe Biden's story. And that, that's why I wrote what I wrote last night. All right, so, John, um, I believe that there is, um, with an exception of this new information now, that there hasn't been anything that Joe uh, Biden or Hunter Biden was doing that was illegal. It was just grotesque, just grotesque. Do you agree with that or not? Listen, I, I think lawyers make decisions on legality. I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I'm a reporter. I can tell you what the ethics standard is for the United States, for all U.S. government officials. The standard is not only to avoid a conflict of interest, but appearance. to avoid the appearance of a conflict of interest. I think most average people would say if Joe Biden knew, which he acknowledges he did, that that prosecutor was investigating his son, he should have left it to somebody else mm -hmm. to fire that prosecutor. Why did he go out of his way to do it? And when he did it, what did he use? He used U.S. foreign aid as the hammer. If you do not fire this guy, I'm going to bankrupt your company, uh, country by withholding $1 billion. Remember, that's what Democrats just accused President Trump of doing, right? Of, and of course, when the transcript came out, there was no quid pro quo linking U.S. foreign aid to a request to the Ukrainian president. But in Joe Biden's case, it is irrefutable. He linked U.S. aid to the forcing of a firing of a prosecutor that he knew was investigating his son's company. So under that standard, a lot of people will say, well, that is an appearance. Why didn't he step aside? Why didn't he let somebody else do the job? Joe Biden hasn't answered those questions yet. Do I see any criminality? I'm not a lawyer. I think we need to see more things. My, my reason for writing the stories is not to accuse someone of breaking the law or committing a crime. It's to put into the public information 
the accurate portrayal of what our U.S. government was doing overseas in Ukraine. So tell and me I, about tell yeah. me about what happened after the fire after the firing and after the New York Times pretty mm-hmm. much verifies everything that you're saying right. uh, and writes a story about Hunter Biden and they say, but there is no wrongdoing. Um, right. It's just grotesque, no wrongdoing. Um, well, let me go ahead. Yeah, there's some interesting storylines that get put out there. I saw some of this on MSNBC the other day, and they're simply not true. One of the favorite storylines that Joe Biden's defenders like to throw out there is at the time Joe Biden, uh, at the time Joe Biden effectuated the firing of this prosecutor, there really wasn't an open case. It had been closed in 2015. That's not true. There was a British case against Burisma's owner that was closed in, in Great Britain in 2015. But there were two open cases in Ukraine active at the very moment Joe Biden did. So that's a straw man. It's a false story. But it's getting into the narrative because the same reporters that wrote about Russia collusion are now writing about this Ukraine story. It is simply not true. Shokin's affidavit makes clear he was preparing to interview Hunter Biden. He told that to the Washington Post. He told that to ABC News. He told that to me. So that's a false storyline. When people are perpetrating that, you have to ask yourself, why are they giving the American people a false story? Why don't they just admit, yes, there was an investigation? Now, one of the most damning pieces of evidence to that narrative is that Burisma's own American lawyer, John Beretta, gave an interview when the case was all done, and he laid out the timetable, and he confirmed that one of the criminal cases, the investigations in Burisma, was closed down nine months after Joe Biden had effectuated the fight, nine months after, and that the second case was settled with a fine a few days before Barack Obama left office and turned the keys to the White House over to Donald Trump. So Burisma, own, his own lawyer, debunks uh, the, the very storyline that a lot of these media champions of Joe Biden are now putting into the American public. They're feeding the American public a false story. And that's what complicates the ability of Americans to make a good judgment on this. There is bad reporting on this. Tell me about the New York Times story that comes out and Hunter Biden and Devin Archer have a meeting at our State Department. Yes. So all we know is there's a text message that Devin Archer uh, sent to one of his business colleagues on December 10th. It's two days after the New York Times raised the question saying, Joe Biden's anti-corruption fight in Ukraine is really being hampered by the appearance of his son because his son worked for this owner and this owner and this company are currently under investigation. That is December of 2015. Now, the next day, Joe, uh, honor, at that very moment that that story came out, Joe Biden was in Ukraine meeting with President Poroshenko. President Poroshenko's aides told me on the record that during that meeting, Joe Biden renewed or pressed again to get Mr. Shokin fired, something that doesn't happen for four more months. So article comes out, Joe Biden makes another request to fire the prosecutor, and then Devin Archer is talking, uh, that's the business partner of Hunter Biden, they're both on the board of Burisma, they're longtime friends. Devin Archer is somebody that has met with the vice president um, uh, during the, the time he was on Burisma's board. And Devin Archer writes a friend saying, we want to change the narrative. We just came back, meaning Hunter and him, Hunter and Devin Archer, two business partners, came back from a meeting at the State Department, and there's going to be some announcement of USAID money, meaning State Department grant money coming to us. Now, I can't find that grant, but clearly it references a meeting in in December of 2015 around the time of this negative story by the New York Times. So I have filed a FOIA request. The State Department did not comply for that, you know, to get records of that meeting. I have now sued, and I expect over the next few months that I will begin to get documents from the State Department identifying any and all contacts 
that Hunter Biden, Joe Biden. How unusual is it? How unusual is it for for that to happen, for somebody to go into the State Department and change the narrative? Well, yeah, you know, Americans meet all the time with the State Department, particularly those Americans that that are working overseas. Right. And if you're working in Ukraine, it is a volatile area. Right. Mm -hmm. You've got Russia right next door to you. There's a lot of corruption in Ukraine. In and on its face, it's not uh, necessarily unusual. It, it could be entirely appropriate. Uh, the idea that Hunter Biden and his business partner are looking for grant money from the State Department, which is the inference of this text message, that stands out. Again, it, it fulfills this, or it's another piece of this narrative of Hunter Biden riding in the vapor trail of his dad's policy wagon and trying to collect. Joe Biden goes to China. He brings Hunter Biden with him. The, the Hunter Biden's firm walks back with a $1.5 billion contract. Mm. Uh, Hunt, uh, uh, Joe Biden is named the point man for Barack Obama, Ukraine. Three weeks later, he ha- or a few weeks later, he goes to Ukraine and he, gives, he meets with the prime minister of Ukraine. This is really extraordinary. You can look at the transcript because I put it up not, re- not too long ago. Joe Biden meets with the prime minister of Ukraine in uh, April of 2014, just a few weeks before Hunter's name to the board. And he says, you know what? You Ukrainians should start expanding your natural gas um, uh, production, and Americans should be here to help you. In fact, some are here right now getting that process started. Joe Biden basically lays out the idea that Americans should come and help expand uh, Ukraine's natural gas production. And what happens within three weeks? Hunter Biden is added to the board, even though he doesn't seem to have any experience in natural gas. He doesn't seem to have any long-term experience in Ukraine. Those are the sort of facts that raise to the question of, did this create an appearance of a conflict of interest? Okay, John Solomon, back with him in just one minute, 60 seconds away. Uh, He has a lot more to explain. And he is uh, a guy who is deep right in the center of this. You know, not by name, but by work. They named him the whistleblower uh, as a, a real problem. We have uh, John Solomon on. He is an award-winning investigative journalist. He has um, been at the forefront of really game-changing investigations. He's worked for the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Associated Press. He is now the executive vice president uh, of The Hill, and he has been instrumental on the reporting of what was going on in Ukraine. I have a theory I want to pass by you here in a few minutes. But first, I want to ask you this, John, is there is there they're trying to elude that you uh, were getting your marching orders from Rudy Giuliani? Right. That is the inference. Yeah. Any you want to comment on that? Uh, I think if people just simply looked at the public record of what I've done, you will discover that I began reporting and writing on Ukraine months before Rudy Giuliani says he ever began investigating Ukraine. I can tell you some of my early sources, because they're, they're clear now from my stories, were Democrats working for Ukrainians who were concerned about what went on inside Ukraine during the 2016 election. I can tell you that the Ukraine embassy provided me a statement that Mr. Giuliani and his team never uh, played a role in, confirming that the Democratic National Committee asked Ukraine to interfere in the 2016 election, that the Ukraine government ultimately turned down that request. I can confirm to you that I wrote a series of stories 
or a story about Mr. Furtash's case, a Ukrainian, a Ukrainian oligarch that is intertwined with Joe Biden in the 2016 period. Rudy Giuliani had nothing to do with that story. It was actually driven by a Democratic lawyer. Okay. All right, John, I, I, I got to take another break. And then when I want to come back. I, I, I want to go in uh, and I want to talk to you about the um, ambassador that has been fired, what that story is all about. And what what kind of things were going on, do you believe now through your reporting in Ukraine during 2016? How deep does this go? John Solomon. You can follow him in at J Solomon Reports in the Hill. To Glenn. Welcome to the uh, program. I'm glad you're here. We have um, we have John Solomon on from The Hill. He is a uh, award-winning investigative journalist, worked for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Washington Times, the Associated Press. He's the executive vice president of The Hill. He has been following this Ukraine story uh, longer than I think anyone else uh, and is instrumental in understanding what really was going on. He was investigating Joe Biden and all of these uh, things long before the whistleblower, uh, you know, was concerned about anything long before Rudy Giuliani was involved. Um, John, let me just clarify one. Let me go back to one question about the whistleblower and what he said. All of the evidence that is in this whistleblower's case, it all pretty much stems from your reporting because he says the timing of your stories and the meetings with Rudy Giuliani are just too coincidental. Can you tell me that um, that did you look at anything in that whistleblower and go, well, gee, wait a minute. Was I were these stories routed my way uh, without me knowing it or or were you contacted? Hey, do these stories. Is there anything to that? There is not. Uh, I will tell you that uh, I choose the timing of my stories based on when I can get information confirmed through multiple sources. And one of the challenges I had for a long time was that Ukrainian officials wanted to make allegations anonymously. And I I did not feel that was an appropriate way to, to tell the story. So I worked extra long and extra hard, almost a year, to get some of these um, stories written and uh, corroborated and put on the record, meaning actual documents or actual people on record. All my interviews on, uh, with Ukrainian officials were videotaped. They're on <laughs> the Hill TV site. You can see them. I was as transparent as I could possibly be. Every document I obtained, I tried to embed in a, in a story unless it compromised the source's identity. I have tried to be as open and honest about how I got the information, where it came from, who gave it to me. Uh, and a journalist makes his decision not because a president's lawyer or a Democratic lawyer or any other person wants it out. We make that decision when we know we have enough information to be accurate and to be fair and to be complete and transparent. And every decision I made to publish a story was made on my timetable based on my journalistic training as to what the best time was to, uh, to, to break a story, to corroborate a story, to get fair comment. And uh, I think that's one of the, the silliness of this entire um, narrative, which is anyone who's seen my career and the stories I've broken, 
I've broken stories that have been big and controversial for many years. People, the Bush administration criticized me after 9-11 until I really got the story out there about what happened about 9-11. I've been an equal opportunity reporter my entire career. And I've practiced journalism the same way, whether President Trump was in office, President Clinton was in office, President Bush was in office, or President Obama. And I think that that's the hard part, is watching this narrative now uh, be uh, trying to portray me as a journalist who was a shill for some from cause. The only cause I had was to get truth to the American people. All right, John, um, can you explain one part of this story that is new to me? Um, sure. And that is the the conversation between Trump and the new president of Ukraine in regards to the firing of a U.S. Uh, ambassador. Can you tell me right. her story? <coughs> Sure. So Marie Ivanovich was a Obama appointee career uh, diplomat, by all accounts, an accomplished career diplomat. And uh, she was appointed after uh, in the summer of 2016, when all of this stuff with Burisma was going on, when all of the stuff with Furtash was going on, all of these complicated relations were going on in Ukraine. So she comes in and then she stays on for President Trump for a couple of years. I reported uh, earlier this year that uh, two things. Uh, prosecutor General Lusenko, now former prosecutor, but at the time the, the, the current prosecutor, gave an interview and he said, I have had problems dealing with your American ambassador because she came in almost as soon as she came in, she met with me and she went over a list of names. She did not want people to be prosecuted. And, and he backed up his story by actually giving me a letter from the embassy showing one really clear instance where the embassy actually said, you will not pursue, we don't want you to pursue a criminal case against this George Soros-funded group called ANTAC. It's, it's in bold writing. Wow. The, the State Department sent a letter to Ukraine prosecutors saying, we don't want it, we're interfering in an internal prosecution in, in a sovereign nation saying, don't prosecute these guys. So he backed up his story. And he went into great detail. Before I broke that story, I took the list of names of people he said Ambassador Ivanovich and others uh, had given him. And I went to the State Department, and State Department officials on background confirmed that some of those names were raised in conversations. And, and the United States raised concerns about Ukrainian authorities pursuing these organizations or people. And so before I ever broke that story, I got confirmation from the State Department. The story came out. The embassy issued uh, a denial, which, by the way, was in my story. The day I broke the story was in my story. So I gave the State Department side, even though on background they had confirmed some of these names had been done, and they had corroborated the letter that I possessed in my, uh, in my story, and I posted in my story. So that's the first time we knew there was a problem. I also obtained a letter from a Republican congressman to President Trump that had, was a few uh, months before uh, Prosecutor General Lusenko, the Ukrainian prosecutor, gave me my interview. In that letter, a Republican congressman who had just, I believe, returned from a trip to Ukraine said, I was overseas and there are a lot of people in Ukraine concerned that this ambassador uh, is not representing your interest. And, and, you know, the inference was that maybe she was bad-mouthing the Trump administration or the president. So there was a second concern for why uh, the president might want to remove uh, Ambassador Yovanovitch. The third um, uh, instance comes in the conversation with President Trump. And this is a remarkable thing. The brand-new president, President Zelensky, a comic 
and a reformer and somebody that a lot of the world is excited uh, could possibly turn uh, a corner for Ukraine, make Ukraine less corrupt, more integrated into the into the world community. One of the first things he thanks President Trump for is uh, for removing Ambassador Yovanovitch. And he said that she simply wouldn't recognize him and meet with him after his election and that uh, he felt like she acted in such a way as to convey that she supported the old president whom he had defeated than rather than the rec- recognize the new elected leader of Ukraine. Those are the typical grounds for which an ambassador can be recalled. Ambassador Yovanovitch may not have done anything wrong, but when the country you're in no longer feels comfortable dealing with you, that is a legitimate grounds for recalling an ambassador and substituting someone else because we need to have a functional relationship with our allies. That is why that happened. And, and I think uh, you look, there are several stories today attacking me um, uh, for, for uh, writing that story about Ambassador Yovanovitch. I think President Zelensky's comments in the transcript validate why I wrote the story. Yeah. yeah. All right. The whole so, country was worried about her. So, John, I want to take a quick break and I want to come back sure. and I, I, want to, I want you to zoom out. John Solomon is here. I, uh, John, I, um, I don't know if this is a blessing or curse, but um, I, I look at things big picture. I'm not good at the small little details. If I look at puzzle pieces, I'm trying to figure out what does this mean if you fit them all together? What does the picture show us? And I want to run this by you to see if I'm on the right, on the right track. Um, I think in the end, what we may be looking at is that the Obama administration, the U.S. State Department through his administration and the DNC thought they kind of had Ukraine all locked down. And there were people enriching themselves uh, through really shady deals like Biden. Um, But the DNC was using it through. I think NGOs to further their goals in a deep state sort of way um, also had unofficial challenges to maybe get some of the dirty work done uh, and some of the connections that nobody wanted anybody to have to find things like, you know, Donald Trump is one example of that. Uh, And Biden is a small part of this. Biden is really not the thing they're protecting. What they're protecting is something really dirty was happening with intel justice uh, and state in ukraine and they're really protecting this and that's why the democrats are freaking out so much and know they have to discredit this story am i on the right track at all that's that's a great question let me tell you something the very first time i entered into reporting in ukraine which was in the spring of 2018 so well over a year and a half ago I met with a Ukrainian official who uh, had uh, been highly recommended by uh, some of my U.S. intelligence sources. And I said to listen, we're, we're winding down the Russia thing. I'm pretty sure I know what happened on Russia, right? It was a political dirty trick. There never was collusion. And I think that's going to be the outcome of the Mueller report. I had good sources inside the Mueller team. And I, I was pretty much certain by that time that Russia and the guy looked at me straight out and he said, Ukraine is the Democrats' Russia. And I said, I'm sorry, what do you mean by that? Well, if, if the story of, of Trump and uh, Russia colluding were true, the Democrats' problem is Ukraine. They have this complicated relationship in Ukraine that yep. involves 
pressuring the Ukrainian embassy. And then you've got George Soros, a mega donor who plays a very big role in Ukraine through his NGOs. You've got Joe Biden being the point person, Hunter Biden making money in the country. Dem- uh, uh, Ukraine may have been both a piggy bank and a political dirty tricks arena for the Democrats in the way that Donald Trump was portrayed with playing with uh, Russia. I thought that to be a very uh, enlightened comment. And, and I think the more we put uh, facts together, that storyline seems to be unfolding. We have a lot more that needs to be done. I think there are things that Senate and the State Department and the United States government can do to give us more visibility on this. But something was going on in Ukraine, and I'm not the only one who has said so. The New York Times, the ABC News, Politico have all written very compelling stories raising questions about the Democrats' conduct in Ukraine and our own U.S. government's conduct in Ukraine. And I think that uh, that may be the real story here. The Democrats may not want people poking in their dirty laundry inside Kiev. I I feel strongly that uh, that is the right track. Now, if that is, there is more than just money at stake. You are dealing with some of the nastiest uh, people, uh, George Soros being one of them, uh, that have all kinds of strings. You said it when you first got on. Was was the intel agency listening to my phone calls? Are they tracking me? What are they doing? I mean, it puts this story uh, becomes extraordinarily dangerous. This puts you into the position of Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah, I would never put myself in that category. Those were two reporters that broke an epic story. Listen, you're only as good as your next story, and we need to just keep digging. And all of our, all reporters, myself included, should learn the lesson of Russia, which is presuming people are guilty before you have the facts is a bad idea. The media harmed its credibility by convicting Trump before they knew what happened. We shouldn't convict Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or anyone. We should get the facts. The fact that people are holding back these facts does raise questions. What is there to hide there? Let's all dig in and find out. But the the problem is there's another narrative that is being spun by the press and that will dismiss the real that that will lead to you know, we've seen it with Clinton, we saw it with Russia, we see it all we over and over again. People are just get they get they're done with it. By the time you get to the real thing, um they're done with it. And the media is is running this other story that is flat out true and if this if i say if this other is true it is going to blow the lid off of a lot of places and dramatically clean this country up well i've always believed transparency is the best solution for the country in our times of greatest crisis being transparent and being honest has been the way that our country has gotten past controversy, crisis, impeachment, all the different things that have happened in our great history. I think we will get transparency. I think the lawsuit I'm fighting in the State Department, I think some things that Senators Grassley and Johnson are doing, I think some things that Dmitry Firtash's lawyers in Europe are doing, the Ukrainian oligarch mm-hmm. who got crossways with Obama, we're going to learn a lot. And the key for me is not to overreact to all of these silly attacks. Just go back and get another good story. Keep reporting it out. That's what I'm going to do, and I know you will do that, too. John, thank you so much. John Solomon from uh, from The Hill. Uh, I think a a real one of the last really great reporters that is not looking at things emotionally and just going for the facts. You can follow him at J. Solomon Reports. You're listening to Glenn Beck.